Good morning. I want to welcome you back to our sermon series, our Christmas series titled The Glory of Christmas this morning. And I wanted to start out in a word of prayer this morning because um, for many of us it's been a challenging week, a difficult week. Um, I also uh, woke up this morning and I received a text message from Pastor Mark. As many of you know, he's traveling to Washington this weekend to uh, attend a memorial service for one of our pastors in our fellowship, uh, Greg Howe, and uh, his flight was canceled this morning. So we want to pray that he gets back safely. Uh, He wanted me to pass on to you that he misses you and he'll get back as quickly as he can. Uh, So let's open with a word of prayer. Uh, Lord, we just thank you today that we have the opportunity to learn from your word. We thank you for this message today. Lord, I just pray that it brings us as a church family and those watching online and those that are struggling through the holidays and those that have experienced pain uh, as recently as this week, as we lost a brother in Christ this week in our church family, those are experiencing turmoil that it just brings them a little bit of joy this week. Lord, I pray that this message, uh, this, this glorious birth brings joy to those that are hurting during this Christmas time. Lord, I pray that you speak directly to our hearts. I certainly pray for Pastor Matt, uh, Pastor Mark as he travels, Lord, and, and you got your hands in that, and we know that he's going to get home safely, Lord, but just look over him, watch over him, and bring him home to us safely, Lord. We just glorify your name this morning. Everything this morning, I pray, is about you and your glorious, perfect plan. We just praise you for that, Lord. It's in your wonderful name we pray. Amen. Um, As many of you know, I have the pleasure of being the children's pastor here. Uh, As you can see from the video, I have two uh, wonderful daughters of my own, so I know firsthand the excitement and the energy that leads up to this week, this Christmas week, and and, uh, the kids get excited, and and they're thinking about the presents that are going to be under the tree, and the time with their family, and, and certainly days off of school, and you know, I just I know firsthand what that feels like. Uh, it feels like this week, certainly, my wife and I haven't even been able to have a conversation because it's interrupted by our daughter's mouths just going a billion miles an hour right now. And uh, but certainly for many of us, um, as we get older, we lose some of that, don't we? We lose some of that excitement about Christmas. Oftentimes, it's replaced with uh, frustration, maybe, of the holidays. Maybe it's uh, replaced with exhaustion, just trying to keep up. Or maybe it's, uh, for, for many of us, it's replaced with some grief. Uh, we think back to, to Christmases of past with our loved ones, and they're not here this year. And so this week, um, I, I feel like I'm, I'm certainly not alone as I prepared for this Christmas message of feeling a little bit out of sorts this Christmas season. If I'm honest with you this morning... For me, it's been especially difficult to find joy in this time of Christmas. But when I read our story this this morning, the the birth, the virgin birth of Jesus, that joy immediately returns. I'm ignited with anticipation because the story is the perfect story. Every detail was perfectly orchestrated, even to the time of his birth. I mean, it had been... 600 years since there was any angel activity, any uh, prophecy, or any uh, seemingly any uh, activity from God at all. And then we have Gabriel, God's messenger angel, burst onto the scene and ignite fire 
and energy into these shepherds we're going to learn about today. And he brings a heavenly host, praising God, proclaiming the glory of Christmas. This whole story is perfect. Uh, Mary, chosen to be a virgin mother, to fulfill the prophecy of Jesus. David, being in the bloodline of, uh, or Joseph rather, being in the bloodline of King David. Another prophecy fulfilled. The wise men and how they followed this star to find the Messiah, the King. The birth of John the Baptist and how he paved the way and prepared people for the Messiah. Jesus being born in a manger in Bethlehem. And, and Caesar Augustus issuing this decree, this census, so Mary and Joseph would have to go back to Joseph's hometown so this could all take place. Every single detail that God laid out was perfect. It's especially true in our story today as we talk about these shepherds. They're the chosen messengers of Christ. And really, these are the first disciples of Christ. This is really where the church began, even before Jesus started his ministry and he, and he obtained his disciples. This was the first ignition of the church, the true beginning of the Christian church. Each year I read over this story in anticipation of Christmas. And if I'm honest, I don't read it any other time of the year as much as I should. But this is a story that we should be reading year-round because it's so exciting, so perfect. When I do read it, oftentimes it makes me reflect on the birth of my own daughters. I remember each time holding them in the delivery room and, and looking down and thinking, this is perfect, perfect. Sure, my wife had some other adjectives to think of those days. <laughs> of course, I wasn't the one delivering the child. I wasn't the one going through all the pain of childbirth. But I just remember holding my daughters and thinking, this can't get any more perfect. Each time, I remember holding them in my arms and thinking, there is nothing that I wouldn't do for this child. There is no way that I would let anybody harm this child or get in the way of me and this child. And I can't even fathom a possibility of me allowing someone else to raise my child, to hand them over to someone else and trusting them to raise my daughters. But God, in, in all of his infinite wisdom, laid out a plan, a perfect plan that did just that. God trusted Joseph, this carpenter. He trusted Mary, this virgin, that were betrothed one another. He trusted them. The Son of God. He used the ordinary to do something pretty extraordinary. Last week we learned he used the radically unqualified and qualified them, and, and he gave them this inexplicable task, this mind-blowing challenge of raising the Son of God, the, the Messiah. Today we're going to learn more about God's perfect plan in the glory of Christmas, and if you missed the first two weeks, we, we talked about and reviewed the story of Joseph and Mary, and, and uh, you can find Pastor Mark's messages, his sermons, on our website, gracefellowship.online. Uh, this entire story, the way it's laid out, is perfect. So I would encourage you to go back, if you missed either one of those, and review those sermons uh, as we prepare for the Christmas week. Um, and I would encourage you to attend one of our three services on Christmas Eve. We're going to continue in this series uh, that night. You know, God chose Mary long before she was born, long, long before she was ever thought on this world that 
She was going to be the one to give birth and raise Jesus. Can you imagine that? And he chose Joseph, the simple carpenter, to lead the family. To, can you, I can't imagine as a father trying to teach Jesus, the Messiah, how to be a man and learn manly things and, and, learn and teach him how to be a man and grow because he was both man and God. Today we're going to learn about these simple shepherds, God's chosen messengers for what happened at the birth, the, the glory of Christmas. So I want us to open up our Bibles. I'm going to spend most of my time in the book of Luke this morning. If you have your book, uh, Bible with you, if you don't, there should be a Bible in front of you. Uh, we are in Luke chapter 2 is where we're going to spend most of our time this morning. You can also find all of our notes uh, and everything we're going over this morning in the Bible app. If you forgot your Bible, you can open up there. And we're going to spend most of our time uh, starting in verse 8 of chapter 2. But I want to go back a little bit, just a couple verses to verse 6. I want to start there with our story this morning. The birth of Christmas. You guys are probably familiar with this. If you've been a believer, you probably read this. As I do with my daughters at Christmas Eve, around Christmas time, uh, we learn about it in Grace Kids downstairs. We're reviewing this story. and um, In verse 6, it says this, While they were there, the time it came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her first child, a son. She wrapped him snugly in stru- strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. And then immediately it goes to the scene. We're talking about the birth of the Messiah our Savior, immediately goes from there to this field full of shepherds. That seems pretty odd, but let's read about it. Verse 8, it says, That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. And Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. And they were terrified. But the angel reassured them, Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. These shepherds were staying in the fields nearby. In fact, the NIV uh, translation, if you're reading through that, it actually says they were living in the fields nearby. You know, this wasn't a nine-to-five job that they possessed, where they could clock in and clock out any time they felt like it. This was a 24-7 type of job. They lived in these fields. They took care of these sheep. And aside from Mary and Joseph, these shepherds were the first ones on the face of the earth to see God in flesh. Can you imagine that? Why would God do this? Why would God be talking about the perfect birth, the Messiah, the Son of God, the Savior of our sins, and then immediately he goes to these simple shepherds in a field to tell the story about him, to tell them what had just happened. I mean, the shepherds during this time weren't even allowed to worship in the temple. 
They were considered unclean. They weren't allowed to testify at court. And they were the ones that were responsible for burying all their dead because they were already so dirty. That's how society looked at these individuals. But why would God then choose them to be his messengers? In our video, our pretty funny video, Dan, our well-intentioned, slightly annoying shepherd in our our skit guys video, uh, was pretty stinky, but he made some good points in that video. He illustrated some really good truths about the shepherds. And I want to take you through just a couple of those this morning. And I want to compare us and our character as we're walking through these points to the shepherds. The first point that Dan illustrated was that the lowest in the land was given the highest honor. The lowest in the land was given the highest honor. Why was that? Because God came for all man. It was a perfect illustration. You know, if you or I were writing this story, certainly we would have had God, the Son of God, Jesus, our Savior, being born in John Hopkins, or the best hospital in the world with the best doctors available to look over. So nothing went wrong, but that's not what happened here. God chose for Jesus to be born in a manger in the middle of a stable in Bethlehem. Instead of some big news outlet coming to report on it, it was these simple, dirty shepherds. Men that weren't allowed to worship in the temple nearby because of their social status. And it's quite reasonable. A lot of biblical scholars believe, actually, these men, because they were so close to town, they were actually shepherding the sheep, the lambs that were going to be sacrificed in the temple. And yet they weren't allowed in to worship. These men were dirty. They were living in a field. They weren't holy. They didn't have any special social status in society. And yet God's angel messenger, Gabriel... Can't even imagine putting my eyes on Gabriel. How beautiful that must have been. How amazing that must have been. He shows up and, and they were terrified. Of course they were. They weren't expecting any visitation from God. It's heavenly angels. They didn't deserve it. Nobody on this earth would have said they deserved that. They didn't matter to anybody. They never expected this in a million years. But you know who they mattered to? They mattered to God. These shepherds mattered so much to God. And Gabriel explains this. If you look back here in verse 10, he says to to these men, he says, Don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all the people. All the people. He didn't come just for the politicians and the athletes and the millionaires and the Bill Gates of the world. He came for all of us. Society's misfits, the lowest of them, the least of these. Plans are are perfect. And you know, this should be amazing news for us. It doesn't matter what we're experiencing this week or what this past year or two years has brought us. This part of the story should bring us great joy and confidence. You know, if God can trust these men, these simple dirty men living in a field to spread the good news of the gospel to the entire community, then he can trust us to do the same. 
And you might be saying this morning, Lord, uh, you know, Pastor, I'm not really good with words. I, I start, you know, I get all hot and sweaty, and I don't know what to say to people. It doesn't matter. God has equipped you with everything that you need to say the perfect words to everybody in your life about the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's placed the right people in your life to share that message with. And through the Holy Spirit, he will give you every word you need to speak to them. Because his plans are perfect. He took these simple shepherds and he ignited a fire underneath of them so strong that they couldn't help but tell everybody about what they had saw and what they had heard. You go on down in our story to verse 20. It said the shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. And it was just as the angel had told them. He didn't put them behind a pulpit. He didn't give them a YouTube channel or put them on TikTok. He put them right back where they were with their flocks. And everywhere they went, they couldn't help but tell about the birth of Jesus. They couldn't help but tell everybody about the angel Gabriel and the choir of angels that showed up that night. They had to tell everybody they saw the joy of the birth of Christ. And if that alone doesn't get you excited about this Christmas season, about the possibilities that Jesus has for you this year coming up, about the people in your life that don't know Jesus and how more than any other time in our lives that message is urgent. Because we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. All the people, everyone around us deserves to hear that message from us. I think God also used these shepherds because they were a visual representation of him, of his attributes, of who he was. Jesus, as we know, oftentimes spoke in parables and he referred to himself as the good shepherd. Why did he do that? What qualities do shepherds have? Well, they're self-sacrificing. They, they know their sheep. They know everything about their sheep. You know, if I was a shepherd, I, I'm going to be honest with you, if there's 100 out there, I, I probably would be counting like one, two, five, three. Uh, yeah, we're close. I got, a, I got enough, right? These men knew every sheep. And they knew if one wandered off. These sheep were their entire purpose for life. They put their needs ahead of their own. And so it was for Jesus. He put us above himself when he died on the cross. I want us to go over just for a minute one chapter to the book of John, where Jesus tells us about this in John chapter 10. John chapter 10, verse 14 is where I'll be reading from. Jesus says this. He says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep, and they know me. Just as my Father knows me, and I know the Father. So I sacrifice my life for the sheep. I have other sheep, too, that are not in this sheepfold. I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice, and... There will be one flock with one shepherd. The image of the shepherd loving and caring and nurturing and, and so sacrificially for his flock. He knows them so well. He knows them individually. He knows that there's some that aren't in the sheepfold right now. 
but they will hear his voice, and they'll come, they'll return. Think about that. He knew when you first heard the gospel, when you heard the message that Jesus died for your sins, he knew whether you would accept that or not. He knew whether you would give your life to him or not. Shepherds are so devoted to their flocks. And as I was preparing this week, I was trying to think about uh, some individuals maybe in our society that would share that same level of devotion. I know there's some individuals in this room right now that are farmers, and certainly farmers come to mind. Farmers are completely devoted to their livestock, to their farms. They don't, they don't attend uh, vacations like you or I would. It's a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week job. So that would certainly fit the mold. I also, uh, some things that came to mind was firefighters and police officers and our military who leave the safety and security of their own homes and go into danger so that we can have the freedoms that we enjoy and protect us and our families. And we're so thankful for those men and women that do that. As I was preparing, I was trying to mull over the best illustration here. Um, I actually had a picture that fell out of my, a couple pictures that fell out of my Bible. And I think God had a better illustration for this example. Uh, the picture that I have here, and I have a letter, is a picture of a children's ministry leader that uh, really devoted himself to young men in my church as we were growing up. Uh, his name is uh, Joseph Hildebrand. I was hoping to get the picture scanned in and get it up on the screen. I wasn't able to do that, but... Um, he had such an impact on my life. He means more to me than I could ever express in words. And I don't know how many Bible verses he memorized. He was the commander of our Royal Rangers group, which is kind of like the Christian Boy Scouts of the church I grew up in. I don't know how many scripture verses he memorized over the course of his life. I don't know how many camping knots he could tie, but I do know one thing. I know how much he loved Jesus. And I know how much he loves me. And that's the only two things that mattered. It's the only two things that I cared about was that he devoted part of his life to me and other boys in the church. Two years ago, when I was ordained as a pastor, he traveled two hours to attend that service. And he gave me these two pictures and a letter, which I'm going to share a piece of here towards the end. And I don't know if he knew it or not, but the second picture that he handed me really means a lot to me. And I don't know that I had a copy of this picture, but this was a picture of moments after I gave my heart to Jesus at a powwow. I obviously remember that moment was such a big impact for my life. and uh, There's a picture here of a group of boys, and one of my good buddies has his arm around me, and he knows what just happened, and I know what just happened, and I have a grin across my face. He devoted a part of his life, this man, Joe, to the church, to raising up young men. We have some amazing shepherds downstairs in our children's ministry. Some of them, like these shepherds, can't even begin to comprehend or understand the glory of Christmas. 
Many of them never grew up in a Christian church. They don't know simple stories like Jonah or David or Moses. And they're learning it the first time as they're teaching it to our children. But they know one thing. They know they had experience with God. They know the love of Jesus. And it completely altered their life. And Because they're willing to be shepherds for these young girls and boys in our children's ministry... They're going to change lives in the process. They are not doing anything crazy. They're not doing anything complicated. They're not preaching week to week. They're just showing people Christ through them. They're loving like Jesus loved these shepherds, like God loved these shepherds. He loved them so much he brought Gabriel and an army of angels to these shepherds, these dirty shepherds. Kids are very intuitive. They can see the love of Jesus, just like I did, through this good shepherd. It's not a hard thing to get started in children's ministry. It's really not. And you could possibly change a kid's life forever, like Joe did for me. These shepherds in our story, like our children's ministry volunteers, they're devoted to their flock. They were all in. And people may not have wanted them around. They may have stunk really bad. They weren't allowed to testify in court or worship in the temple. But one thing is for certain, people trusted them. They knew the characteristics. They knew the attributes of these men. They knew that they probably were looking over the sacrificial lambs of the temple and if they left these lambs, if they left their sheepfold for any reason, that reason had to be really good. So if they saw they saw a heavenly host of angels, they must have saw that. If they said that the Messiah was born to a virgin in a stable and he was found and he was wrapped in swaddling clothes and he was lying in a manger, I mean, I know that sounds hard to believe. That sounds crazy. Why would God allow this to happen this way? But if the the shepherds said that it happened. If they left their sheep, it must have happened that way. Another attribute of these uh, men who were the lowest in the land, they were a, a visual representation of God, the Father, Jesus, the good shepherd. They were incredibly devoted to their flock. But I think this last important factor, this last point that I'm going to hit here, is probably the most important. There's one last thing that I believe God knew about these men watching over their flocks and why he chose them, why he selected them. I want us to go back here in our story in Luke, and I want us to pick up in verse 15. It says, When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They turned, they hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. And after seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard 
and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. The way these shepherds responded to the news should be the example that we want to live by. If you remember nothing else this morning, you need to remember how the shepherds responded. They responded with immediate obedience. They didn't wait till the next day to go see Jesus. They didn't wait till their situation got better to start telling people about it. They weren't worried about losing their jobs as shepherds or what their friends and family might say. They responded with immediate obedience. They couldn't help but tell everybody about it. They received this message from God that God had sent them, and they responded immediately. God knew that these men were men of action. They hurried to go see Jesus. They didn't wait. They hurried. They rushed. They glorified and praised God wherever they went. They took the place of the angels themselves as God's messengers, as his chosen messengers, to spread the news among the people. This is exactly what Jesus has instructed us to do. Many of you know the story in Matthew 28, and I want to finish in Scripture with that story this morning. In Matthew 28, right before Jesus went back to heaven, he was talking to his disciples, and many of you that, that have been saved, that are Christians, have been in the church for a while, you know this story. Uh, we call it the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. Jesus came and he told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. This is our final instruction from Jesus while he's still with us on this earth. It's our mission in life. To share the good news of the gospel with everyone around us. We're not called to keep this message to ourselves. We're not called to live in a bubble, but we're, we're called to share the glory of Christmas with others. Spread the message like the shepherds did. And you know, the amazing thing about our story today is that the shepherds didn't have to be told to do that, did they? The angels showed up, they told them what happened, where they could find Jesus, and they immediately went to see what had happened. They immediately went back to their flocks, and everywhere they went, they spread the news that Jesus, the Messiah, was born. They didn't care if people thought it was crazy. Of course, it sounds crazy. Nobody would write the story like that. But it's perfectly crazy. It's perfectly laid out and planned by God. They couldn't contain themselves with this news that they had just learned. Of what they had just saw, they had to tell everybody. They went back to their jobs, doing their jobs. Shepherding these flock. But they told people about what had happened. They were eyewitnesses to the glory of Christmas. And, and I know that they couldn't fully comprehend what they had heard and what they had seen. There's no way they could. It's hard for us 2,000 years to comprehend how God laid this out. But they didn't care. They just told people about it. They didn't question it. They didn't doubt it. 
They responded in faith and spent the rest of their lives proclaiming that Jesus, the Messiah, was born in Bethlehem. As we begin to wrap up this morning, I want, us, I want to leave you with a challenge as we head into the Christmas season. Thinking about this story of the shepherds and how they responded. Is this how you responded to the good news of the gospel? If you're here this morning or maybe you're just watching online and you've received the news of Jesus Christ. Maybe this is the first time that you've ever heard of this story of the birth of Christ. Or maybe you've heard it a million times and you're just not, you just haven't been ready to accept it. This morning, today, you can change your life forever. You can accept that Jesus was who he said he was. It's hard to understand. It's hard to comprehend that he, that he left his throne in heaven. And he came down here and he was both fully man and fully God. And he allowed himself to be beaten for what I did. To be put on the cross. And three days later, he resurrected himself and ensured a life of eternity with him. You have the opportunity to say, yes, I believe you, Lord. I'm asking that you forgive me of my sins. I'm asking that you provide the Holy Spirit to me. Help me to learn to be more like you, Jesus, every day. Help me to love others sacrificially, whatever it costs. Time, energy, money, whatever it costs, help me to invest in other people, those around me, to share the good news. Help me to be joyful, even in the midst of my flood and my turmoil and my storm that's all around me. Help me be joyful for you, Jesus, because people will see that. They'll witness that. People will ask them, they'll ask you, how are you getting through this Christmas without your loved one, or this tragic thing that's happened, or, or that you're sick with COVID or cancer, and how can you get through it? I get through it because of Jesus. Because Jesus shared the good news of what he did for me. If you're a believer sitting in this room and, and you're online, again, I want to challenge you. How have you responded? Maybe this happened like me when you were a boy, 14 years old. You have the same joy that you did at 14, the same energy, the same excitement to share the good news of the gospel. And if you haven't been living up to the standards of the shepherds, today's a new day that God provided, right? Because if anything that this last two years has taught us is that we don't know what's coming tomorrow. We may find ourselves in a hospital room tomorrow physically unable to praise God and tell people of the good news. We may not be able to verbally do that. But as long as I have breath in my lungs, let's share that good news with everybody around us. We don't know when we're going to lose that loved one that we care dearly about. You guys know I lost my mom this, this past year. And I'm thankful that I don't have to think, will I ever see her again? can't imagine people that go through that pain of, of not knowing, not being assured that what Jesus did for us paid the price for all of us, that we'll see and speak and live with our family members again. That's where I find my joy. When I want to pick up the phone and just talk to my mom, that's where I find the joy. 
I reread through this passage. Jesus did this for real. We can devote our entire lives like the shepherds did to spreading the good news of the gospel, to, to ensuring that everybody in our lives, that God has trusted us with in our lives, knows about the good news of Jesus Christ and what he did. And they're going to see that just by the way we love them. It's no more complicated than that. Love like Jesus loved you. I want to, before we close in prayer, I want to share part of this letter to you. I'm not going to read the whole thing because I'm not sure that I could make it through, but I just want to share the words of wisdom that he gave me that day. He says this. He says, Caleb, your goal in Christian life is twofold. To bring people to Christ and to encourage them in Christ. Remember, it is not you that people need to see. It is Christ living in you. When they see Christ in you, they will be drawn to you. You will be the means of their salvation. The example of a Christian life is so powerful. You can never overestimate the power of that example. We head into Christmas. Don't lose sight of that. It's not a hard thing to love people and be that example and to love them sacrificially like the shepherds did. Just be on fire for Jesus. Renew that, this Christmas spirit. Whatever pain you're experiencing, whatever you're going through, Jesus loves you so much. He felt that pain. He's experienced that pain, and he bore it on the cross for you. So let's go like the messengers of Christ and share that with others.